the first 500 bars I put in the stores were literally made by hand with pizza cutters. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Mike Andes and you are listening to Business Bootcamp Podcast. Today I have a special host. Her name is Laura American and she is going to tell us how she went from her kitchen making these little energy bars by hand to being a national distributor and eventually being bought out by General Mills in 2008. Before we dive in, I want to say a special thank you to today's sponsor for the episode, which is FreshBooks. You can go to freshbooks.com slash bootcamp and get 30 days free trial, no credit card required, and you're able to test out all the many features that FreshBooks offers. Everything from scheduling to keeping track of your customer's information to keeping track of how long you spend on every single one of their jobs. It's an incredible tool that I suggest that everyone have, regardless of what system you're using. It needs to be cloud-based it needs to be online you don't like the last thing you want to have is a bunch of papers that you're trying to sort through so if you haven't got one already make sure you go to freshbooks.com slash bootcamp you know what even even if you already have one i suggest you go try it because they completely redid it re, re completely made the program from the ground up in last september and so it's just been fantastic and the, the 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 founder he created it really out of an itch of his own as a small business owner so i suggest every small business owner go check it out it's freshbooks.com slash bootcamp now to lara lara bar and the show you know, I grew up kind of in an entrepreneurial environment. My parents were in a clothing retail business. I've always been passionate about doing my own thing. I had a, an odd jobs business with a girlfriend in high school where we mowed lawns and grocery shopped and did all kinds of stuff for people. And so I've always just been somebody that likes to kind of do my own thing and make up my own rules. And then I was hiking uh, many moons ago and came up with the idea for Lara Bar on a hike when I was eating a trail mix and I thought why hasn't somebody made something really portable but it's healthy but really tastes indulgent and delicious and it's just made of fruit nuts and spices and that's kind of the light bulb moment for me and um, that's when the idea for Lara Bar was born. So at that time, what what year was that and kind of was there was there other competing bars already on the market? Like I know Power Bar was probably there and other oh, yeah. bars like that, but like what, what was kind of the impetus for, you know, making your own thing? Well, I, um, you know, I was really passionate about health and nutrition. I actually, for my job at the time, I was a social worker. I worked with at-risk kids and I left college with a psychology degree, but always thinking about business would be great. Actually, I actually started as a business major in college and oh. then I stopped because the finance classes got too complicated. <laughs> oh. and, um, and so I became a psychology major and worked with at-risk kids and that was really rewarding. But really my, um, and I also played volleyball in college. I was a uh, walk-on for USC volleyball and I played a year. And during that time I learned that healthy eating made you not only feel better, but perform better and just everything. It never really occurred to me before that. I was like 18, typical 18-year-old, ate a bunch of junk food, and it just really wasn't on my radar until I went to college, and I my coach kind of forced us into not eating sugar, and the light bulb went off for me. So I leave college, I have my degree, I work with kids, and then my side passion becomes health and nutrition, and I'm thinking, God, I think I want to go back to school and study this. So it was just percolating in my brain that whole time, and I just would read and learn, and lo and behold, I end up on this hike 
in the year 2000, and I'm thinking, I'm going to go to school and study nutrition, health, naturopathic medicine, actually at Bastyr in Washington. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I got into the program, and I thought I was like two months away from going, and then all of a sudden, boom, this idea came on this hike because I was really into eating clean foods and, and nat- like whole natural food. And at the time in 2000, I mean, that was a while ago. It, it was just starting to become this idea of whole real food. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when the light bulb went off and I was eating the trail mix and I thought, what if you took this and made like cherries, almonds and dates into cherry pie yeah. and, you know, simple foods into something that feels like, oh, you're getting a treat and still indulgent. So that's how it all came together. Do you feel like your work with social work or like your psychology major has kind of affected how the business has played out going forward after 2000? You know, every experience you have in your life, I think, is learning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I learned a lot about how to work with different kinds of people, you know, what it takes to, well, when you're an entrepreneur, so I have this idea on a hike and I literally know nothing about the business. I mean... Mm -hmm. I know about working hard. I know about a lot of those things and that those did play into me starting a business and being successful, you know, having tenacity, sticking with it. But I literally knew nothing about the food business. And so I got a job working at a natural retailer and I spent two and a half, almost three years in there kind of just seeing how they did business. Was that intentional? Was that intentional? Like, did you go into that job knowing you're not doing it for the pay, but you're doing it because you want to learn what they're doing? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I was, I mean, I was like 32 years old. So when you're 32, the last thing you want to do, and you've graduated college and you had like a career is it's not a natural progression to feel like you're going backwards. Right. (laughs) So I, I was in this mode of like, you know, I kind of need to start over in a way because I had this career. I learned a lot, but I want to go in a different direction. And when you go in a different direction, you have to be willing to do what it takes. I mean, you don't start at the top, right? And mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything. So I thought, I have to get a job. And I was getting paid like $10 an hour. <laughs> and everybody thought, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and then I thought, well, maybe I am out of my mind. But <laughs> um but the truth was, is I needed to understand how the business structure worked. And actually, so I did, to your point, I looked at it as a paid internship almost in a way. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm getting paid to learn, and I'm also getting paid to live. So I might as well make the most. And I wanted to be around things that I enjoyed, and it paid off. What I, were some of the things you were trying to learn there, like as far as distribution, like with like with the retailers and all of that? Like what were you trying to, going into it? What were you thinking you needed to learn? Everything. Mm-hmm. Anything and everything from distribution, how they work with vendors, how the, you know, uh, how do the distributors come in, how they market, I mean, the whole nine yards. And I just sat there and just soaked it in. And then three years later, you know, I launched with them and another one, another retailer. And I, you know, I didn't know everything. You can never know everything. You, you, you can know a lot to get yourself to the point where you can actually have a product and go. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I really just, took it all in and made the most of my experience there. And I'm so glad I did it. I mean, I think back and I think 
I'm so glad I took that leap and that risk because it wasn't glamorous. Right. It's not glamorous to stand in a store after you have a degree and go, yeah, I'm just working in a grocery store. But the truth is it's a huge business and, and it was really fun for me. I met wonderful people. I learned a lot and I just opened my, I might, I opened myself up to just learning really. So, so where did it go from there? So we, you know, you, you have this idea in 2000, you work for a couple of years at this retail store, learning the ropes of the business. Where did it kind of go from there? How, how, how Lara Bar become born? Well, um, three years later, I, um, I launched in April of 2003 and I had five flavors. We still have all of those five flavors today. Um, they're still sold, um, nationally and, you know, I went into the stores and started, I was the person that would do the demos. I would cut up the samples at lunch hour and I'd talk to people and I realized how powerful it was to connect with people and also educate them about my product. Because at the time, you know, back to your question about who was in the marketplace at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, you had the power bars that came in the the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, then the cliffs and the balance and Atkins. And there was this whole thing going on. And my, my idea was simpler and different and it was unique. And I think that's really what happened is that I actually had a product that was unique in the marketplace. So it gave people a new option. How did uh, you know how did you know the market was gonna be receptive to that though? Like did you test market that or did you just out of your own t- intuition like what your own you know, itching your own scratch or scratching your own itch? Both. Um, I used to go to my friends uh, places of business in their lunch hour and take a survey and like give their coworkers like we do will you guys try this and give me feedback mm-hmm. I mean they call that it like in marketing they call it a focus group and I would just do that informally all the time and then I'd give it to people and I was like please be honest I want to know the feedback and people would say I like the cherry but I don't taste cherry in every bite I mean stuff like that would really help me and I'd go back to the drawing board and I'd redo the mixes and I uh, formulas and I would like make cherry in every bite and it's actually one of the best-selling bars for Lara Bar has been for years my favorite one is the cinnamon one it's so good oh I'm glad you love it <laughs> so so you, you were in the kitchen I know I know just from your story you know you're in your kitchen making those and distributing those kind of getting feedback firsthand from the customers were you working at the same time there was it kind of just like your side hustle there for a moment yeah I mean I did it all simultaneously for like three years I would work in the store and then make phone calls in my off hours. I would call almond growers, I'd call equipment guys. I mean, I literally had to learn everything. I had to learn shelf life, I had to learn packaging. I mean, you name it, I had to figure it out somehow because there's no guidebook. Nobody mm-hmm. says, here's what you do when you start food business. Right, right. I and mean, I could probably give somebody a general idea mm-hmm. <laughs> now, but nobody, nobody then could walk you through it and you just, somebody was nice enough to talk to you, you'd call and say, you know, can you tell me about packaging? What are the things I need to know? Or what does shelf life mean? And there was enough people that were just gracious that would talk to me and, and kind of give me information about things I'd ask questions to. So I'd say to people, you know, curiosity is a good thing and not being afraid to ask is an even better thing because you never know when you ask, you may not get the answer, but you may get even more. So like a lot of people would say, well, I know this, but you could also talk to this person. They might know this. And it just snowballed into, you know, a, a, a big amount of knowledge that I gained. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't know everything, but right. I would launch my product and then I could learn and go as I was. I mean, I had a very good base. 
Talk us through kind of your first client or like the first time you had to make a sale to a retailer or distributor. Like what was that like your first time doing it? Well, it's really exciting um, because, you know, it's nerve wracking and exciting. It's all of the above. It's like, are they going to like it? Um, And so, you know, I met with the buyers and I'd say, hey, um, this is what I have going on. This is a new product. This is what's great about it. It's, you know. Two to two to nine ingredients. It's just fruit, nuts, and spices. And they, the first buyer said to me, "This is the most innovative product I've tried in years. I can't wait to bring it into our stores." Wow. And when you're ready, you have to dot your eyes and cross your t's, meaning like get your act together. Yeah. I will let you bring it in. And that was, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, he allowed me to do that. And then nine months later, I contacted him and said, "I'm ready to go." And um, another retailer, same thing. I went in and they said, we love this product. We have not seen a product this innovative. And I think really the key at the time was that I had a product that was really good and it was really different. And that it it, it was unique. I mean, anybody can make a product like you could take anything, for example, and it's like you have a new slant on it. And that's basically, you know, I didn't invent the energy bar category, but I had a, a different version of you know bringing real food to the to the i to the table so how did, how did it scale though like so anyone can you know make a bar theoretically in their kitchen and you know sell it to one retailer or their friend across the street but how did it kind of scale up like did you have in mind that you wanted to make it a national brand or were you thinking if i just get in some local retailers whole foods or something like that like what, what were your ideas going into it as you scaled up the business you know i I think my dream was that it would, I always dreamt in in kind of the bigger space of my mind, like I would love to contribute something really positive to our society that gave back to people. Mm-hmm. You know, healthy food gives back, right? It, right? it allows you to do whatever it is that you want to do in your life, whatever that means to you. But if I could reach like the general public, not the public that, not the group that gets really healthy food, not just they're going to get that, but like if I could just, the person that just would go buy junk food, if they love this product and wanted it, I, that would be like a dream for me to make a difference in that realm. So that was kind of my big, big, big dream at the time. I was like, I just took it one thing at a time. I looked, you know, each realer, each person that I talked to in a demo, each retailer I got into, I just focused on that and I would make it the best I could. And then it just built, it mm. just naturally built from there. And then, you know, like talking to you, the media would call me and I would talk to them. And, and I just opened myself up to sharing my, you know, the idea and, and information about the product and people responded to it. And so it just literally, that's how it happened. It was like one step at a time. Was there ever a moment though where you're like, it kind of like the light bulb went off and you're like, this is actually going to work. This is going to become a real business. Cause perhaps I'm wrong, but like at the beginning, was it maybe like you're crossing your fingers, like hoping this would work. People would like it. But like when, when was it like, okay, this is a val- valid business and a valid product and I want to do something special with this. Well, so the year before I actually launched, I thought I was going to launch and we just kept getting delayed. Couldn't find the right manufacturing equipment. Couldn't find the right, I mean, everything just kept getting stalled. And I had, you know, I had a small group of, like kind of friends and family that we're going to invest in, like most of the people backed out hmm. and said, it's taking too long. We're not sure. And then I just kind of regathered myself and I thought, you know, if somebody really believes in this, 
the right people will come along. And, and then I had a, an, another just group that came and they just were like, we trust you. We want you to do this, however it works. And it just, I got the momentum behind me. And so I had those kind of stops and starts. I couldn't get the right equipment. I had two pieces of equipment that worked and one that didn't, you know, like everything, there was always kind of this gift because I was, I didn't have a lot of money I, or resources. And so I had to be, what it did is it forced me to be creative and make things work. Like the first 500 bars I put in the stores were literally made by hand with pizza cutters <laughs> and a, and, and you know, the big rolls of film that you use to wrap things. Yeah. Well, you usually use a machine for that. Well, I had to individually cut each one off and hand seal, oh. heat seal each side. So that's just like what you do, right. you know, and, and they had to put a date stamp on there, like a little sticker that would get stuck to your thumb. And, and then eventually like the next year we could afford to put the date and print the packaging with the date on it. <laughs> yeah. Get a machine. So it just was like little tiny steps and, and things that, and I didn't get caught up in, in the things that felt like hurdles. I would get through it. And then I'd feel like, yes, I did that. And then of course something else would come up, but that's business. Mm -hmm. And, and I'd say within like three or four months, I knew it was going to be viable because it just went crazy. The first store we got into, we were like in the top five selling products of the entire store within two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that something was happening, but I also knew you can't rest on your laurels and you have to like work even harder to make things happen. And and customer service is a big deal and connecting with people is important. So that's kind of how it all shaped up at the beginning. And then it just kind of built from there. So so a lot of a lot of times companies will have a great product, whether it be in the food industry, tech, whatever it is, but then they fail to kind of create a team or the business aspect of it behind it. So what was like did you hire someone? When did you hire someone? And kind of like what was those first few steps of creating a team around the company? Well, some of like my friends and investors and like people were like, I'll help you. And I said, great. Are you willing to do anything? Like anything, I mean anything. And, and that's kind of how we started out. And then of course, after six months, you're like, okay. I mean, we didn't even know what jobs we really needed. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, you know, my father was a partner in my business and I literally had a couple of just friends that would help and, you know, make deliveries, go do a demo, answer the phones. I mean, I just literally didn't know what I needed until it just started to take shape. And then I thought, okay, I need somebody to help in marketing. I need somebody to do sales. I need somebody to, because I was literally juggling. We were just juggling all those balls every day. Because when you start out, you're starting out. I mean, you have like two accounts. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you have this huge team of people and we just kind of built into it. And really how I hired was, I went with people that were excited and passionate about the company. And it, it didn't matter so much how much knowledge they had. I'd say like year two, I started hiring people that had some industry experience, mm -hmm. but really it was a complete just smattering of people with passion in our company. So that's really how I did it. So at this point, it's like 2004, 2005 as you're kind of scaling it up. So, yeah. so at this point, is the company profitable? Or are you still taking on investment? Like, was it a, you know, a viable business by then for financially? We, um, we had a very small investment at the very beginning and we never raised money after that. And we mm -hmm. self-funded our growth. We were, we were profitable within the first year wow. and awesome. we just kept, and I'll tell you why is because we kept it extremely lean. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did not buy anything we needed, needed. We didn't rent expensive office space. 
we didn't, you know, you, you know, people, what happens is people get excited about a business. I, I'm sure you, you do this. You, you talk to lots of people yeah. and they like rent this beautiful space and then they buy a bunch of furniture and, and then so-and-so has to be the, you know, you know, whatever chief, the VP of something. <laughs> and they have a bunch of chiefs and VPs cause everybody wants a nice title. Yeah. And all of a sudden like your payroll and your overhead expenses are insane. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do that. We kept it so lean. I mean, we were working out of a, like a, a 600 square foot duplex for like the first two years hmm. in, wow. a, in a room where everybody would just kind of pile in and, and, you know, my first T-shirt that I would do, I would use in a demo, I did an iron-on transfer. Mm-hmm. Like, with an iron, I went to Target and bought a white mm-hmm. T-shirt, and, like, that's what I did. You know, <laughs> yeah. you just, I didn't spend tons of money on stuff we didn't need. And then when we net needed it, like, we needed banners because we went to an event. Like, you know, we were just really conservative all the way along. And it worked out really well for us because we didn't end up getting in debt, and we just, you know... We kept it really lean. So fast forward to 2008, that's when the company was purchased by General Mills. And so were you expecting that call? Like how did that start out? Did you oppose it at first? Like I don't want to sell it. Obviously it's part of you, it has your name in it. So was it something that was a little bit difficult to let go of? You know, that's a very interesting question. I, so in, so I launched in 2003 and in 2004, I started getting phone calls from large companies. Wow. And the first phone call kind of just, it was a little mind-boggling moment. I went, gosh, I really just wanted to do this. <laughs> and now, this enormous company that I have bought their product, I, I, it was flattering. I, yeah. it, you know, it was a good boost to the ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also know that, because they're chari- you know, their development people are like looking for opportunities. Yeah. And Natural Foods, has been growing for a long time anyway um so i started getting those phone calls and i had gotten quite a few of them over the years and then so we finally had to decide like well these companies are i mean many of them were coming after us and interested and so we had something valuable i mean what does that mean what does that look like and so by the time 2008 rolled along you know actually general mills was one of the the last companies to call and the irony is they were really the best. They, they have been an incredible fit. And, um, so they called and I thought, you know, would I sell the car? I, it, you know, it never occurred to me. Many people go into business and go, I'm going to build it. I'm going to sell it. This is what I'm doing. No. I'm so passionate about my idea that it just, you know, it just really wasn't in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't thinking about here's what, here's my whole plan. I just kind of, rolled along with it. So, um, at that point I decided I would entertain an offer if, if, if it was the right partner. And, and I felt like they would take really good care of something I cared a great deal about. And, and of course, when you sell a company, you don't really have control. Everybody thinks you can build in all these things, but the truth is, is like, you know, it's like sending a kid off to college. They're off to college. Here it is. So here I am like eight years later, which is, really kind of surprising to me because I thought, you know, I'll be around for a little while, but I'm really proud of how we've come together as a smaller company with a bigger company and made such a positive impact. And I've worked with a tremendous group of very talented people at General Mills and people still love our product. It's still growing. It, you know, it's really worked out. And so here I am talking to you 
And um, it's just, it's really been an amazing experience. So like the, the thing that actually kicked this whole thing off with me wanting to interview you was one of the podcast listeners was, is, is making a bar. And so I, and I already, had, I'd heard about you and I'd already actually watched some of your videos, like how the company started and everything. And uh, so I referred the, the listeners and said, Hey, you gotta go, you know, watch uh, what she did and how she started. And cause I know you started out of the kitchen. I was trying to push them. Like, you don't need to go get like a co-packer right now. You need to go, go give this to your neighbor and your friend and figure out if this is actually real. And so, uh, but, th- but she went and she was watching a lot of these things and she comes back to me. She's like, well, she had such like a linear path from the kitchen and like, it just grew so naturally. And then now she got bought out in 2008. Like it was such a fairy tale ending, but like, was there ever a moment in that fairy tale that, that you thought you were going to lose the company or it wasn't going to work? No, you know what? The harder part was in, so I had the idea in 2000 and I didn't launch till 2003. So there was that whole research and development phase where I was working at the grocery store and I was literally trying to figure out every little, you know, is needles in the haystack, every little thing from packaging to shelf life to what kind of almond do you buy? I mean, I didn't know there's hundreds of kind of, I mean, I, you know, I would call people and they were like, what kind of almond? I'm like an almond, <laughs> you know, I, you, you have to be willing to ask. So that period was the period of time that was the hardest because I didn't have a, I didn't really have anything. I had an idea and, but I had, I had this really good idea and a good product and people were responding, but how did I get from the idea to the store? And there was a, there was thousands of steps. Um, had I thought about it that way, I probably wouldn't have done it. So I just one little piece at a time is how I how I dealt with it. And there were times during that period of time where I would spend like a month or six weeks where I wouldn't do anything. I'd get to I would get to something that felt really hard and just too difficult, and I would just kind of shelve it and think, well, maybe I should just do something different. So there were times when I thought, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm going to do this. So between 2000 and 2003, that's a long time because I really naively thought I could get it going quicker and it just didn't come together. But once it came together, that it was just like, it was like riding a wave. It was like riding a magic carpet. It just, people responded and it wasn't like everything was easy. We had, we launched a product, a chocolate bar and, you know, within moments of like debuting that in the big trade show we had a problem with the dates and and they weren't you know they were hard not soft and then you know that I, I mean we had to rename it we had a trademark possible kind I mean it was like a nightmare and that was in 2005 I think and so I had like a year of distress you know we have this great product in the market and then I'm trying to launch another one so what I learned is you can't get caught up in all the problems you have to figure out a solution and you have to move on and that's what you have to do. Um, you can't worry about because because business is just basically a challenge every day. You know, there's just it's like figuring out, it's like solving problems every day. Yeah, that's really Absolutely. what it. Is. So, so, so what, what what's your role now with the company? Because obviously it's been bought out, and you say you know you don't have a whole lot of control. But do you, are you still on the creative end of things, like creating or marketing? Like where are you now with the company? You know, um, really, what my role has been since I sold the company, and and I'm, I'm in a, I wouldn't have sold the company if I wasn't happy to pass the baton on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot. You deal with everything. So now my role is like my technical title is creative director, but 
but really what I am is in an advisory role for the brand, um, for the team. And then I'm also the face of the brand and I do a lot of public relations and I do public speaking and things like that. So I'm, you know, that's really my role today. And it's been, it's been amazing for me. In case you were wondering, Lara Bar had sales of $30 million when they were bought out in 2008 from General Mills. Now with the backing of General Mills and the infrastructure they have, Lara Bar is literally distributed around the world and in stores around the country, making it just an incredible American dream story that Lara has been able to share with us. So big thank you first of all to Lara taking her time to come on the show and I actually kept the tape rolling, recording, while we were on our Skype interview. So I'm gonna share with you just a minute of our conversation we had after the interview. But really the hardest part of my journey, the manufacturing was really challenging because I didn't, you know, like selling your product and manufacturing it are almost like two different businesses. But you have to do both and you have to understand both as a food entrepreneur and I didn't know that and so, the learning curve was really steep for me. Yeah. Um, well, just I, to... I thought it was interesting, even when General Mills bought your company out, like they kind of kept the same designs, like as far as like the the company, like the, the, the wrapping and everything. I thought it was interesting. Well, yeah, because it's it the brand. And yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I think a lot of the big companies are much smarter now about acquisitions of, you know, a long time ago, they were, you know, a lot of, that's where I think a lot of the criticism comes in. Yeah. But I think a lot of the companies, you know, they make a substantial investment and they want their investment to work. And um, so that's, that's a good thing. But are yeah, you, that's, I'm still there. <laughs> are you, are you going to do anything, anything more after, after the company? Are you other plans? Or are you sticking long term there? I, you know, I, um, I'm always looking at ideas. Yeah. I, I've been to culinary school. I do all kinds of cooking stuff and I'm still involved in the food world. I, you know, I have a little boy. I, you know, I do other things. I'm a little more free. So yeah. it's, it's been really great. And yeah. if I get back into the food world, it probably would be in a, you know, maybe a little bit of a different way, but right. I still love it. I just yeah. don't, I know what it means to do it now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not like chomping at the bit to go, okay, I'm just going to, and I'm happy to help them, you know, shepherd them into to new ideas and evolution for Larabar. So right now everything is, is great. 